Good evening, everyone. I'm Steph from SciTech, and tonight I'll be your audio guide to the galaxy. Tonight, we will be looking at the moon and learning about humanity's long history of sending spacecraft there. This episode is time to be listened to at any time after 8pm on January 15. If it's cloudy tonight, you can still listen to this at later days, but be aware that the time to see some things will change. Make sure you've got this episode downloaded, and once we get started, try to keep your phone screen off so your eyes can adjust to the dark. Before you head outside, make sure you grab some insect repellent, a torch, and a jumper if it's cold. Ready? Let's go. Let's begin by getting ourselves nice and comfy, ready to gaze at our moon. The moon is shining bright in the eastern sky, and that's where we are going to be focusing our attention tonight. We say the moon is shining, but it doesn't generate its own light. We see the moon because its surface is reflecting light from the sun. The moon has phases, and we categorise these phases based on how much of its reflected light we can see. And that depends entirely on where the moon is in its orbit with respect to the sun and earth. We're all familiar with words like crescent moon and full moon, but that's not all there is to it. When we're talking about its phases, we have to get a little more specific. Let's start with the basics. We learned back in episode two that the moon takes about 28 days, or one moonth, to complete one orbit around our planet. Its orbit isn't perfectly circular though. Sometimes it's a bit closer to the Earth, and sometimes it's a bit further away. The point where it is closest to Earth is called perigee, and this is roughly 360,000 kilometres away. Tonight, it's about 405,000 kilometres away, which is the distance where it's at its furthest. We call this apogee. The moon has four distinct phases. New moon, first quarter moon, full moon, and last quarter moon. Each phase takes roughly seven days. Its first quarter phase was last Monday night, and it's currently in its waxing gibbous phase. The word waxing means getting bigger, but it's not the moon itself that's getting bigger. It's getting a little more illuminated each night. The word gibbous means that it's more than 50% illuminated. Tonight, it is 95% illuminated, which means it is very close to being a full moon. That is, when it's 100% illuminated. The full moon will be happening on Monday 17th of January, so in just a few days time. Make sure you check it out that night. After all this time we've spent looking at the moon, you've probably started to notice more of its features. We can see lots of impact craters on its surface, evidence of a very violent beginning during the formation of the solar system four and a half billion years ago. But we can also see some big dark patches. These are called maria, and they are huge plains formed by ancient volcanic eruptions on the moon's surface. They're less reflective than the rest of the moon's surface because lava once flowed there, leaving behind iron-rich basalt rocks. And that's why they appear so much darker to us. 
Now humans have a long history of sending spacecraft to the moon, sometimes with people on board, but most of the time without. The first mission to the moon was the Pioneer Zero in 1958. Pioneer Zero was launched by the United States Air Force and was humanity's first ever attempt to send a spacecraft somewhere in space other than Earth's orbit. Unfortunately, the mission was unsuccessful. Due to a problem with the fuel pump, the spacecraft's booster rocket exploded 93 seconds after launch. While it was a disappointing outcome, it began a long string of attempts to send spacecraft to the moon from space agencies in the USA and the USSR. There were six more unsuccessful attempts before finally, in early 1959, the USSR had partial success with Luna 1. Now, Luna 1 was designed to be a lunar lander, but it never actually landed. Its onboard guidance system malfunctioned, and Luna 1 flew straight past the moon and continued on its merry way to the sun. The USSR could still claim partial victory because they built the first spacecraft to enter orbit around the sun. Later in the year, they tried again with Luna 2, which then went on to become the first successful moon mission. Luna 2 was designed to impact the moon's surface, and that's exactly what it did. Now, as you've probably gathered, getting to the moon is tricky business. So why do humans keep trying? Well, successful missions to the moon have given us vital information in helping us understand our closest celestial neighbour. These days, there are currently five active spacecraft orbiting near the moon and one active rover being operated by China, roaming around on the moon's surface. One of the most exciting things we've discovered is that there is water ice in the craters of the moon's south pole. The presence of water ice means the Lunar South Pole is a pretty great candidate for setting up a permanent space station on the moon. Not only could it be valuable as drinking water for future moon-dwelling humans, but there's the potential for leveraging that lunar ice to refuel rockets, allowing them to explore more distant parts of the solar system with people on board. Before we can think about setting up a permanent base on the moon though, there's a lot of work that has to be done first. Getting people to the moon is going to be a global effort and it's one that Australia is part of. We learned all about Curtin University's Binar One space program last week. Amazingly, they have their sights set on the moon with a future spacecraft called Binar Prospector already in the works. But that's not all. NASA want to send people back to the moon in the next few years, and they have been working on their space launch system. As long as everything goes to plan, the SLS will launch next month on a test flight to the moon. In collaboration with NASA, SpaceX will be building Lunar Starship, the vehicle that will land people on the moon. So the way it would work is astronauts would fly to the moon on the SLS, dock with Starship and then land on the surface of the moon to do their astronaut activities. For as long as humans have existed, our moon has been a source of wonder, awe and curiosity. Its presence in the sky inspired humanity to leave the world behind and venture out into space. Through countless missions from the 1950s until now, we have learned so much. 
Despite multiple mission failures, we persisted. And our persistence will be rewarded as we move into this new chapter of space exploration. There's never been a better time to get excited about the moon. That's it for this episode of the Audio Guide to the Galaxy. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. And remember, as Plato once said, astronomy compels the soul to look upwards and leads us from this world to another. So look upwards and see where that leads you.